You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, plus the bearded handicapper himself, Jeff Riggs, and me, CC Broadus. I'm not going to vote for someone who has bad hair. The Auxiliary Gate, big promise. Right, here we go episode number 152 of the auxiliary gate podcast july 26th and the weather's heating up just like the racing action sure joined by alan schneider as always alan how are you doing i'm good i i like the heat brother i don't 99 degrees is pushing a little bit right i can't on 94 95 99 99 is a little rough but uh, i'll manage i'm like i said it's what's supposed to be this weekend so if you've been following the news, you know there was a congressional hearing this morning. Uh, something to do with UFOs. But uh, I'm I'm sorry to report that our own Brandon Jaggers was abducted today by a UFO, and he will not be with us. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, I think numerous anal, anal probes. And that's before he got on the UFO. Yeah, they they promised to send him back because I think yeah they they rejected him for whatever reasons. Maybe just, you know, but we won't get into it. But to, to, to replace Brandon this evening is the bearded handicapper. We're going to claim him for our own now. The bearded handicapper, of course, is Jeff Riggs. Geoff Riggs, as I like to call him, because he spells <laughs> his name funny. He spells his name wrong. But, Jeff, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I appreciate you all uh, tagging me in in Brandon's absence. Uh, it's always good to hang out with you guys. Are you yeah, righty or left? Are you a righty or a lefty? Because you're, we're bringing the pinch hitter, so you're right-handed or left? You're lefty. I'm righty, but I can hit switch. All right, right. that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's clutch, clutch indeed. Jeff, you ever been abducted by a UFO? You ever seen a UFO? I have not seen a UFO. I've had more ghost experiences than alien experiences. Do tell. So I, I don't know. I think they must. They must be drawn to me somehow because I've had multiple experiences in my life um, of just things happening that were very odd that had no other explanations, especially when I was younger, uh, growing up in my parents' house. Um, things would happen all the time just when I was home alone there, and it was just definitely something messing with me. Like um, like the lights would start doing weird things or get like brighter than the bulb should be. And then uh, at one time it was in the middle of the night and all the doors inside slammed at the same time. And there wasn't any draft. Um, just that kind of, those kind of things happen to me semi-regularly. Oh, you know, uh, I think ghosts are uh, a result of time travel. What do you think? You think, you think we can travel time, like go back in time? Or maybe not now, but, like, in the future, they're coming back to us. Right. Like, maybe it is people who are traveling back in time from the future, and we just can't see that because we're in the past. Right. That's possible. Or we're not in the past. We're in the, we're in the present. <laughs> to them, we are in the past. This is deep. Yeah. What do you think about the moon landing? Was the moon landing faked? Might be a hot take, but I don't think so. I think it was real. Alan, Alan says it was fake. 
I never said I don't have an opinion. I know I, I don't I don't know enough about this story. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I think I, I'm I'm skeptical. I'm a little shady on it. So but we'll 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 do that in a future podcast. Maybe we'll do a, a combination Turfway Park fake moon landing pod. <laughs> I, I know some people we can invite on for that. Because uh, you know the Turfway Park surface is made from moon rock, ground up moon rock. That's what I, I hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Story, CC. I know you're a UFO guy. I, you, I'm not a UFO guy, but oh. I do remember when I was a kid, there was a, a bright shining light up in the sky, uh, and you know, and we flipped on the radio, and it's like everybody was freaking out about it. Everybody was calling in on WHAS here locally, and uh, you know, it's big stories like bright shining light up in the sky, you know, and then it kept it kept falling, and it come to find out it was like a like a Russian spaceship or Russian, whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, a Russian space vehicle that had dumped its gasoline and ah. our, our fuel. Uh-huh. It dumped its fuel in the, and the moon was reflecting off of it or something or, or, or the sun was reflecting off of it. So that now, was my closest experience to a UFO. In, in fairness, I actually think I have – Full uh, full disclosure, I actually thought I had seen uh, alien an alien god a couple of years ago, uh, some sort of lizard like creature. But then I realized it was just Madonna at sixty four years old. And oh, cool. so <laughs> is that hardcore? The years, oh, man. The years have been kind to say that. that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Anyway, moving on. All right, let's get into last week's racing action. Of course, the Haskell Invitational was on Saturday, and it was a very deep race, and it was won by Go Rocket Riders, shipped in from California. For Richard Mandela and Mike Smith, I think we should have, should have all taken advantage of that. Richard Mandela doesn't ship very often. Uh, but uh, Go Rocket Ride, a son of Candy Ride for Pin Oak Stud, uh, who uh, is uh, a local outfit here. They Well, they, they had a farm here and, and stood a, a stallion named Broken Vow. Not too long ago, uh, but uh, Go Rocket Ride won the Haskell. He beat Mage, Arabian Night, and, and a host of others. Uh, Alan, you wanna you wanna kick it off here, maybe and discuss uh, discuss who may be the best three year old in the country. Well, first of all, I would just suggest that Mr. Mandela hear what you said about it a moment ago. Perhaps prunes or something could cause his fix that problem of his. I didn't know he had that issue. Where you said he does? Oh, you said he doesn't ship very ah. often. Oh, oh, I see. Anyway, anyhow, uh, full disclosure, again, full disclosure, we were at Ellis Park on, make our virgin voyage for the year to Ellis Park on Saturday, right? And I left a bit early, so I was driving on the road when the Haskell was going off. I didn't bet the race. I was just watching, you know, at a, at a stop sign on a very small uh, phone screen. But the one thing I was taken back by is I thought there was like two massive underlays in the race. I thought Tappet Trice, I couldn't believe it. people were betting Tappet Trice nine to two. And honestly, I thought Arabian Night was way over bet. Um, you know, that's all hindsight 2020 thing. I didn't bet the race. To me, the, the race, the bet in the race would have been extra Naho or possibly the other, the, the Brad Cox horse, but, uh, best horse won the race. Mage made a big move, right? Mage made a, they, they, they called it a prep, but he, he ran extremely well, but the best horse won. And uh, I just, I, I thought, I found the wagering odd in that race, but that's kind of what I'm drawn to anyway and stuff. So. Uh, again, I didn't get a good view of the race, but I do know that Mike Smith had a heck of a ride on the horse. So, Jeff, 
I agree. It was a great ride by Mike Smith. And in hindsight, I can't believe that I didn't bet go rocket ride just at the price. Uh, as you said, there were some underlays in there. No way I'm taking Tapit Trice at the price. Obviously not taking Arabian Night, even though I'm not surprised at the Arabian Night um, price. Um, I ended up on extra Nejo, as you said, which obviously didn't work out. But um, as you said, Mandela doesn't ship unless he thinks he's got a really big shot in the race. So that was just a, a huge price for that horse. I was also very impressed by Mage, um, you know, especially with them coming out saying that it was a prep for the Travers. Like this wasn't their end goal. I, th- I thought it was a very, very inspiring effort, and I think he's going to be double tough in the Travers for sure. Fair point, yeah. See, see. I think Arabian Knight showed that he didn't want to. He didn't want to rate at all. No, no, no. Is that I fair? CC three ran a really, really. They were really double tough. Even uh, even Arabian Knight that finished third. I mean, it's obviously he was short for the race, but extra Neho came up on the outside of him down the stretch and Arabian Knight actually rebroke and, and drew away from extra Neho. And actually I think he out galloped the field. He so, did. Yeah. yeah. Out people are really on that one. Yep. So I bet I'm betting that he skips the Travers goes to the Pennsylvania Derby. He'll be a lock there. Cause Baffert always wins the Pennsylvania Derby. It seems mage goes to the Travers, uh, go rocket ride, maybe going to the Pacific classic against older horses. That'd be cool. And, That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know what extra Neho. Maybe he turns back and runs in the uh, Allen Jerkins. Uh, Tappet Trice probably drops to a thirty-five thousand dollar claimer. <laughs> <laughs> He's I a good know. horse, but I mean, just I just I don't <laughs> see how if any race if any horse did not fit a race, it's Tappet Trice in a Haskell. I don't think Tappet Trice fits in a lot of races personally, but in the Haskell, that just is opposite to track right there. I. I I just didn't understand that, but you know, I'm well, not, I'm not, ex- I'm not Todd Pletcher, so he's probably he's probably in the Haskell because the other horse is going to the Jim Dandy, and it's Forte, who uh, who proved me wrong in the Belmont. I was absolutely against him in the Belmont. He, he finished a nice second, and he shows up uh, Saturday in the Jim Dandy, seven to five favorite from the rail out. You've got Disarm, who was last seen at Ellis Park when the Matt win. Six to one, Forte seven to five, hit show. Last ran in the Belmont. I think he was fifth in the Derby at six to one. Saudi Crown is an interesting horse. Probably going to be the lone speed in, in the Jim Dandy. He's five to two. He's, he's two out of three lifetime. Got beat a nose in the Dwyer by a Baffert horse, uh, Fort Bragg. And then Angel of Empire returns, having not been seen since his third place finish in the Kentucky Derby. He's five to two. Hmm. So, not a very uh it's a nice field not a very uh just you know for a five horse field it it came up pretty strong so it's going to be it's going to be a fun race but uh any uh any commentary on the Jim Dandy guys well again i i i broken record i hate short fields despise them don't interest me blah 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 i'll give this one a touch of a little bit of interest level now that uh, solid crowns in there um I still think it's unbettable. The only the only thing that I would uh, say is I believe you said disarm was six to one. That sounds awful generous to me. Now that might get my attention a little bit, but I can't imagine it'd be six to one. But then I guess someone someone in that field has to drift up, correct? So I still have a hard time thinking he'd be six to one. That said, there's three Brad Cox horses out of five. He's got sixty percent of the field, right? Yes. Uh, you know, uh, I'd make uh, Hitch the longest 
longest price in the race personally. Yeah, I think so. He'll be the long long shot. Saudi Crown is very very interesting. I mean, they're they're not going to go with him early. Yeah, he he may. I wonder what away. kind of price we're going to get on Saudi Crown. You think he'll get that down? Well, Forte will get the bulk of the action. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I mean, yeah, he, could he go off third choice? Disarm probably would take some money. I think you know he could go off. I don't know, you know, Angel of Empire coming off the layoff. He they, he may be a little cold. I don't know. It may be, maybe you get five to one on him, six to one. Yeah, if I get a price on Saudi Crown, I'd be interested in that. But I, I don't I don't know about wagering otherwise. The only way I'd suggest playing that race is bet the overlay. Whoever the if one either you know if Disarms the overlay, if Angel of Empire is the overlay, that's just the way. Or Saudi Crown, that's just the way I would look at it. But again, it's. Doesn't really interest me, but that's it. It, it. I think it'd be probably entertaining, entertaining race to watch. Yes, agreed. In local news, uh, this came from uh, Darren Rogers, Churchill Downs PR. Fourteen million dollar renovation project that will update and refresh the Jockey Club suites at Churchill Downs it was announced Wednesday by Churchill Downs Incorporated. The project is scheduled to be completed in advance of the 150th Kentucky Derby in May. Now, we spent some time up in the uh, the jockey club suites. Uh, got lucky over the years. I had a friend that had a friend that owned a suite and got us in there numerous times. It was fun. I, I enjoyed it up there. It was just too expensive. To All the concessions and all that stuff is it's you know, borderline outlandish for a guy like me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just wish there was a... Uh, Access for us commoners to get up there in, in the suites because I think we, uh, my guy, uh, no longer gets access to the to those tickets anymore. So, yeah, man, there's there's ways around it. We I've had some pretty decent access this year. We'll see what happens. We'll see. But you know they got to race first. I mean, remember as far as that goes, they closed a month early. So <laughs> you know. The, hey, the, speaking of local news, real quick, if I could uh, hone in for a second. Uh, we got to thank uh, Jason Cook, who's our last guest on episode one fifty one. Correct? Uh, he had a after having him on the podcast, such a good guy. He uh, invited us for a cookout, and I was the only one who was able to go. But let me tell you something: the man is well named. That man's well named for Jason Cook. He 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 did it upright and stuff. So I wanted to thank Jason for that. It was it was awesome and, and such. So uh, appreciate it, Jason. And uh, before we get to our guest, now we do have some sad news to report. Unfortunately, uh, a, a previous guest on our pod, uh, Milton Toby, of I think he was from Georgetown. Is, is that right? I think so. I work in Georgetown, but maybe I hope you're not getting confused. You might be right uh, there. But uh, yeah, he was on episode I believe 102, and um, Mr. Toby passed away. I think he's battling uh, cancer, and he lost the battle to cancer but uh, he was a guest on our podcast a while back he he had written a book about Cannonero the second which i is one of the craziest and one of the best uh, stories in derby lore or any any uh, sports lore for that matter uh, but he and he had written other other books as well uh but he he passed away and uh, if you get a chance listen to to number 102 i believe is the number so anyway. yes I, I looked it up today it's from april of 20, april 22nd of 2022 and it was it was fascinating listening to mr toby right and the book the story of canon narrow is amazing i had no idea that we talked to mr toby so it was uh it was sad sad to hear it, but it, it, again he's in the archives 102 just search his name any guess if there's any guests you want to hear 
uh, simply search your name. If they knew the state of Kentucky, we probably had them on. But uh, Milton Tolby is definitely one you might want to check out in his honor. Uh, there's a chance Ellis cancels possibly this weekend. Uh, it's pretty hot. It's going to be pretty hot this weekend. So uh, if you're making plans to, to, to maybe trip to Henderson, you maybe uh, maybe wait uh, and, and, and see. We'll probably hear something about that tomorrow. Yeah, Colonial canceled for Friday, we know. And, you know, sometimes Churchill, you know, because Churchill owns Ellis, uh, they'll move the post time up earlier and then try to get the card in. That's a possibility. They may do that as well. Who knows? But you know, I hope they get to run for their for their benefit, right? No doubt. Now, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, uh, right now, we're going to get to our special guest. Okay, our special guest this evening is uh, maybe – Somewhat known as uh, Mr. Ellis Park, I always thought I had that title over the years. <laughs> I think I've been—is it—is the word you, usurped? Usurped. I'm glad that's yeah. the exact word I was thinking that's, of. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've, that's that uh, Eli Brown Elementary Education coming through. But uh, our, our guest is uh, a, a big fan of, the, of Western Kentucky racing and uh, well, racing in general. But uh, he's uh, he's had a horse named after him. Uh, he's uh, he's a fixture. At, at Ellis, and uh, he's, he's all around a good person. I'm talking about Gary McIntyre. And Gary, how are you doing? Hey, hello from Owensboro. How are you guys doing? Great. All right. Uh, so Owensboro is supposed to have the best barbecue in the state. Is that true? We have some good barbecue here. That's that's for sure. I'm sure you have. You been to Owensboro before? I, I've been through. I've been through. I don't think I, it's been a while since I've. Uh, gone to owensboro put it that way but i moonlight moonlight barbecue right gary moonlight's the one right old hickory old hickory okay but you guys need to get over here and i'll i'll let you judge for yourself but uh yeah we uh we've had we've had what's called a barbecue festival in the city i think we have that every may and uh it has just evolved and i don't know we may have been having that 30 years and they have the vendors and selling barbecue downtown, and it's a, it's a huge deal. So you guys need to check that out sometime. Well, I'm all for it. So, uh, Gary, uh, how long have you been going to Ellis Park? Gosh, I guess I started going as a child, actually. I can remember being over there with, with family when I was 9, 10 years old. So, you know, late 60s and then – in the early 70s and, you know, actually uh, went with high school friends and people that we handicapped with. My brother and I always went up to the racetrack a lot. Yeah, If you wanted to see the races, you had to go to the track back then. There was no simulcasting or, you know, that was before the way we have it now with uh, racing on the Internet. Now, what what has changed uh, since you first started going to Ellis to the present time, or has has much of anything changed? No, the the racetrack's 101 years old, and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, I think the clubhouse there, I think it was, memory serves me right, I think it was built in the early 60s, and, you know, and here we are in, you know, 2023, the grandstand is, I guess it's been there since day one, and one of the owners built the uh, Sky Theater um, that sits above the main grandstand. Of course, we 
I think it was in 06, we lost uh, one of our auxiliary grandstands um, right. that was adjacent to the main grandstand when a tornado ripped through that. Uh, and uh, I think it was the 1st of November in 06 and killed three horses and damaged about 11 barns and, uh, you know, wasn't uh, – the race meet wasn't going on, but I think there was over 150 horses on the backside when that came through there that night. Yeah, that was uh, Churchill Downs owned that that owned Ellis at the time. Uh, it was they, the first time they owned it. Yes, sir. That's I remember correct. the 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 scuttle was uh, well, we may not reopen Ellis, and I was like, that was a really that was a bummer. But uh, thankfully, they did reopen it. But they, yeah, that's uh that's an interesting story. If you can go on YouTube and, and, and look up that tornado, that was uh that was really a scary night, but uh, there's, you know, there's been tragedies there before. I know there was a barn fire that affected Art Zeiss and that was, uh, that was bad. Of course, uh, it was a few years ago. They had the, uh, the, the barn fire with, was it bold and brassy? What was the name of the horse that, that bold got loose? Bold and bold bold and bossy. Yeah. yeah. Bold and Bossy got loose. Uh, they were going onto the racetrack, and Bold and Bossy got loose and sure. ran out onto the Highway 41, I think. And and then uh, they crowd him. And yeah, it's amazing to me how she wasn't hit. Yeah, and then and then later, you know, they 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 corral her and they put her in the in the receiving barn that night. And the receiving barn caught on fire and burned down, completely burned down. And somehow she escaped, and and now she's at old friends. But that that's just part of the Ellis Park lore. Uh, yeah. Now, I guess much to my chagrin, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a bad thing with Ellis is that, uh, the, the track has really not really been updated, uh, let, a whole lot. Let, let me put a spin, let me put a positive spin on it. And I've talked to trainers and I've talked to vets and people that's been coming there a long time. And that racetrack surface out there that, uh, it's a mile and an eighth from from wire to wire. It's the largest wire to wire in the state of Kentucky, and they just huh. rave about how safe that racetrack is out there. And I've talked to vets that say, well, they they can walk out there on the racetrack at Ellis, and it just has this cushioning effect, different than other tracks that they have been on. I won't mention any names, but uh, <laughs> that we've had we've had numerous horses that it will ship in there and even after the race meets over our backside will stay open till the last of november and we have had just superstars come out of there you'll see a lot of two-year-olds ship from ellis and go to churchill in this in the upcoming you know fall meets and what have you so uh just that that racetrack has just been a has been a jewel so how do you do Ellis Park? What's your, you know, what, what's your favorite place to hang out at when you're, when you're there? I'm always in the paddock. Uh, in a lot of cases, I'm inside the paddock. I'm snapping away three or 400 pitchers a day and just, uh, seeing friends and talking to people and, um, uh, seeing some really, really nice horses. We, we've had, in the in the history, we've had some real, some of the names that you know I would throw out there. You would be like, "Gosh, I didn't know that horse ran there." And and even this this summer, I mean, we've really had some that's came in there and stepped up, and I look forward to seeing them, you know, run again. There has there has been some nice horses now run over there. You know, you're talking about your groupie dolls and uh, horses like uh, Ride On Curlin that uh, ran second in the Preakness. 
uh, not this time. I know a horse that, you, right. you, that uh, rings a bell with you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a uh, it's it's the, the upgrade that Ellis has received as far as uh, quality horses has been uh, has been special uh, to say the least. But I, I got to admit now, Gary, I I, I do miss the old. Uh, the $3,500 claimers and the, and the nickel claimers that used to run on the grass. I got to admit, I, I always had a, a thing in my heart for those races. Uh, uh, I do have a top 10 of horses that have ran at Ellis. If you don't mind me giving that to you, it's kind of my top 10. Of course. Of course, at the top, I always put the ones that was successful in the Breeders' Cup. Groupie doll heads the pack. She won the group of uh, the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint twice. And, Buck Bradley, what a story that was. And, of course, Nick's go. Um, he campaigned there. Uh, not this time. One of, I mean, no telling how good he would have been if he would have stayed, you know, on the racetrack. But what a what a job he's doing in, in the stud barn. So uh, Lawyer Ron that was owned by Owensboro Businessmen, that was just phenomenal. And he won everything except the big ones. He was favored in the Derby and favored in the Classic, and he didn't win either one. But uh, he caught a muddy track at Monmouth, or he probably won that in the Classic. Cat Thief ran at Ellis as a two-year-old, hmm. and then he upset the field in, at Gulfstream for, I, I think he was 35 or 40 to 1 for Wayne Lucas. Uh, of course, recently run happy, prepped over here before he went and lit him up at Saratoga. True. Uh, Rich Strike, of course, a uh, story with him. And uh, he ran on the turf at Ellis, and uh, it wasn't successful, but he sure was on the first Saturday of May. And Serengeti Empress is number eight. Uh, Donegal Farms, Arklow, and Keen Ice round out the top ten. That's a heck of a list. And we didn't you mention, didn't looking at Lee, the derby runner-up, didn't run yeah. Ellis as well, too? Yeah. Now the thing about looking looking at Lee was on this he was in the same class as not this time, and both times not this time faced him. He beat him both times, and he beat him soundly in the Iroquois at Churchill. Gary, let's I'm gonna put you on the spot. I've jotted down a few names here. If this okay. is a, this is lazy podcasting on my part, but could you do a a Mount Rushmore of Ellis Park uh, characters? Mm. Yeah, I guess if we start from the from from where I started going, I mean that would have been Cowboy Jones and Leroy Taws, and they 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 actually own the place. I mean, uh, two jockeys that just did anything that a jockey could do back in that era. And then going into the next area, it was all about Michael McDowell and trainer Tom Doris. They would just they had a killer combination and just were unbeatable. It just seemed like it three or four times a day that they were going to the winner's circle. Um, John Court, seven-time leading rider at Ellis, would be in that group as well on our monument, uh, in my opinion. Um, we go on next to uh, Corey Lannery. Uh, had done some amazing – he was leading rider at Ellis at Churchill. He was doing everything, and uh, – and still, and still is in the winter circle quite a bit. And then we had an apprentice over there in 2016 by the name of Juan Saez. I don't know if you all yes. remember him, but yes. he had 53, he had 53 wins and we probably didn't run 35 days. So figure that one. 
and what that guy was getting ready to do and become was he was just he was just getting on horses that were stakes horses at Keeneland and Kentucky Downs before we lost him in a tragic accident there at uh, Horseshoe, Indiana. But uh, you know, I, there's trainers that have come through there that any anybody you could name has been in that paddock over there, and uh, you know, I you uh, you know we don't. We don't get the Chad Browns or Todd Fletcher people that's uh, New York connections, but uh, anybody in the Midwest. Gary, I was going to toss in a couple more non-horseman names like Cliff Gilliams, who wrote for the Daily Racing Forum, and, uh, of course, the bugler, Brett Brett Burkhead, who I think just does a phenomenal job. Yeah, he does. He's done it for a long time, too, as a, as a matter of fact. And, yeah, Cliff Gilliams for sure. Um well, the, the guy we lost just a couple of years ago, Jeff Hall, was yeah. there. He was there with all five owners, and you know, uh, he definitely belongs. So yeah, there's been a there's been a lot of people that have made impacts on on that racetrack, and and uh, you know, we got some we got some good things coming on the horizon over there. I think Matt Presley, the general manager, I've talked to him, and I think they've got some good things coming, and I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about it. Okay, let's swing it around the horn to uh, Alan. Yeah, I think we we uh, can add one more name to that list. I think we may have forgotten. I'm sure you know Luke Kriposh was. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, Luke was. Uh, you know, I I talked to him up in the Sky Theater sometime. He was just a jolly guy, and just he liked he loved people, and one of the one of the premier race callers. Uh, of course, he would go out to uh, Turf Paradise and call races when Ellis wasn't running, and and he called Churchill for a few years, and you know go back and listen to him, you know on YouTube. It just uh, he just uh, got another one that was definitely on that monument you're talking about. So yeah, let me ask you, Gary. Number one, um, do you live in Henderson, Owensboro? Where exactly do you live? I, I lived in Hen- uh, in Owensboro. I'm sorry. And uh, have you ever, I mean, I know you're a huge fan. You're like Mr. Ellis Park. You're, you're almost like a walking dictionary with the racetrack that's been around for 100 years. Have you ever worked there in, in any formal capacity? I've never worked there. I've known a lot of people that work there. And uh, everything I do is just out of my passion and stuff. And, you know, my me and my brother, as uh, we... We talk, it seems like we talk horses every day, either by texting or, you know, uh, it's just uh, back in the day, you know, you had to keep your own stable. We called it our stable, the horses that we follow. We didn't, we didn't own any horses, but the horses that we saw come through, we would just write them down in a, in a notebook and we yeah. would, that, we would, we would do our own thing that way. And then we would watch for these horses to come up in the newspaper and, and in the end, in the entries and, uh, Boys, things are so much easier today with virtual stables and what have you. So, and, and for, uh, just so people know, you're, you're talking about your brother Stephen, correct? Give yes. Him a shout out. Yes. Uh huh. Who's older, you or Stephen? I'm uh, four years older. Okay. And so, so he's the baby, right? right. Yeah. I have two sisters at, at also. They're uh, my sister here lives in town. She she goes to the racetrack occasionally, but uh you know, my dad and my brother and myself, we we went to Keeneland quite a bit. I kinda introduced him to that in the late seventies, early eighties and 
you know, Steve and I went up there several times for the bluegrass stakes when it was ran like eight days before the Derby. We thought that was really cool. And it just had a lot of nice, a lot of nice trips up there and weekend trips. And, and even when they didn't run on Sunday, you know, we had to go up for Friday, Saturday because they didn't, they wasn't open on, on Sunday. But nothing beats Ellis, does it? Ellis is, Ellis is your home track, right? Yeah, I think that's why I said I lived in Henderson a while ago. It's kind of like my second home every summer. <laughs> so, I, I generally go about half of the half of the race days. I don't I don't go every day, but uh, I generally am there about half of the days. So let me ask you this, you know, because as as well documented, everyone knows uh, Churchill had to end their meet abruptly due to some racetrack issues and, and such. And, uh, of course they went to Ellis and, and, and to Churchill's credit, you can say what you want about him. They pulled that off remarkably quickly with Ellis's help. Uh, as far as I can tell, Ellis actually did pull that off as well. I mean, uh, I thought that went pretty much without a hitch. How did the town, the fan base, the, the, the horsemen, even yourself respond to that, to that lengthened meet, uh, due to this Churchill's issues? Was it something you're like, Hey, this is our, our moment? Were you excited? Was it like was it a sense of dread? I mean, or was it like, hey, we get three or four more weeks of a great racetrack? How how, how was that received in in your part neck of the woods? I, I thought it was received pretty well. It's hard to see uh, how many people are there. Of course, I look at the cars in the parking lot, and they're not wrapped around the mile shoot like they were back in the day when races weren't on TV. That that's that's history. That's not going to happen again. But, uh, um, you know, the Sky Theater had was sold out, you know, when we had the million dollar race. And uh, and, I, and I understand we've had some tremendous handle. There was a couple of days on on the East Coast where we were running and tracks had to cancel because of the fire. Uh, the, the Canadians, the Canadians yes. spoke and, and Ellis had tremendous handle on those days from what I've been told. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was great. And. I saw some really, really nice horses come through there and, and still are. I mean, even though the Ellis Maiden races are going for 70,000 instead of a 120 or 130, whatever it was at Churchill, there, there, boy, there's still some coming through there that are like, you better keep your eye on this one. And I've even posted to that effect on some of my posts, you know. Yeah. And with that in mind, I've, I've glanced at the cards this weekend. If they do run or if they reschedule these races, They've got a lot of loaded two-year-old races uh, still to come. That's fair to say, and, and yeah. on the turf as well too. Um, yes. Let me and ask it, you. I want, I want to make sure that I get uh, get uh, Jeff in here, but I do want to ask you one other thing. Um, for someone who is a true Ellis believer, uh, like you are, like Cece is. I mean, the, you guys live Ellis Park, right? Uh, what would be your selling points to those people around the country who only think that Saratoga and Del Mar are the only racetracks going on this year at, at this time of year. So those people who are less familiar to Ellis, uh, what do you, what would be your selling point to help draw them in to say, look, this place rocks. Well, uh, we're not going to ever, we're not ever going to beat Saratoga or Del Mar. Keeneland of, course. For that of course, we're not running when Keeneland is, but uh, we've got, in in the first two weeks of eight, of August, we've got these Kentucky Downs at Ellis Turf races that are going to be. I mean, if you look at the condition book, two hundred thousand dollar races, you know, t- or six of them, 
and then you get the you, you get the winner, they're going to pay your fees down at Kentucky Downs. That's coming up the fifth and sixth of August, and then the very next weekend. I mean, you guys are thinking about coming down the thirteenth, which is on a Sunday. Uh, we're going to have six stakes races on that day with the juvenile, the debutante, uh, the groupie doll, the Ellis Park Derby. There's a couple more, I think, the Cowboy Jones and and that that's that 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 kind of stuff like those cards of races that attracts fans mm-hmm. because those those races will attract big you know nice fields. And real quick, CC, who was the winner of the Cowboy Jones last year? Don't say anything, Gary, if you know off the top of your head because we were there. I don't. I don't know. What, do not, what, wait, 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 wait. What? No, what? I, I do know, and I don't have to look it up. All right, go ahead, CC. What was the exact in the Cowboy Jones last year? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh oh, it was the uh it was the guy that, that had uh, little Mike uh that owned little Carlo Vacareza. I remember, and he held on and he beat he beat West Willpower. West Willpower was second. Last Samurai was third. Injunction. There you go. Right, he's yeah. right, isn't he, Gary? Injunction. I think he's, he's right. I, you know, you as far as what I think he's right. I'd have to. I, I think he's right. I, I was thinking about the Jeff Hall last year. I was thinking about Necker Island. Oh, yeah, yes. Necker Island won the Jeff Hall. That's the, race. That's the race I was thinking about. Nobody, and I mean nobody, was going to beat Injunction today. <laughs> he, looked, right? he, he was taking all kinds of money. It was like historic money. They, uh, they came that should have been 6-1 to one probably, 8-1. to one. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went off, gosh, I mean, I had him in air, I had him in a pick three. I think I had him in pick four, and, like, he was the favorite in every one of those pools. I didn't make anything. I thought I was making a smart play. (laughs) Let's let Jeff get in here real quick. Is that okay, Jeff? You want to hop on in here with Mr. Ellis Park? Yeah, this is great. I feel like I'm getting an Ellis Park history lesson here. I appreciate you being on with us, Gary. Um, I know you've talked about some of your favorite horses and uh, people have come through over the years. Do you have a favorite race or a couple favorite races that have really stood out to you? Gosh, there's been so many. I, I just, there's been some that that hair goes up on the back of your neck. You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Absolutely. When time opened up in the turn as a two year old, I was like, man, this horse is something special. And he just, well, you know, the, the rest is history, as they say. You know, he, uh, he was just, uh, as they say, poetry in motion and he was, he was so well built and put together for a two year old. But, uh, there were races like that. We used to have a race every year called the Governor's Handicap and mm-hmm. we would get some, you know, for the purses they were running for, we would get some really nice older horses in that race. I think I can remember a horse like Tiger Lure for the Foley's. You guys, are you guys old, that old to remember that horse? Yes, I'm 53. I remember that horse. I mean, he was just, he brought it every time. And Tiger Lure and Mythical Ruler, those kind of battles were just, they were, they were great, man. It's just, uh, but, uh, there's been, there's been so many of those. And, and especially if it's a race that turns out the way that you want it to be. I'm not a big gambler, but I have hit some nice bets. And you, you know, you, you get behind these horses and you kind of cheer for them and, you know, you just want to see them do good. And, uh, that's what it's all about. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the next thing I was going to ask you about. I'm a, I'm a handicapper and horse player first. And, um, I know you've been known to make a wager or two and you had a nice, uh, pick six score recently, I believe. Yeah. I wasn't, 
I wasn't, uh, I was going to the track that day. I was at the gas station here in town and, uh, the eyeballs had a horse in her that day. And Jason Louch, who's we're friends with, I had texted him and told him I was going to Ellis to watch this horse and he goes scratch. So I was like made tracks to the cracker barrel and then came home and I jumped online and I turned on Joe Christofek and he was putting together a ticket and it had, you know, it had a decent carryover in there. And, uh, he, he really liked the horse in the feature that day. I can't remember. I think the horse's name was Solidify. That's it. That, that went about 11 or 12 to one. And I singled that horse in an eight, an eight dollar ticket and I hit it for like 2,500. Wow. Awesome. And awesome. I, I told him, I said, man, I, all props to you because I got that horse from your, you know, your pre-show. And, uh, he's, he, he does such a great job. That whole, that whole Twin Spires, you know, the team, Shap and Caitlin Free, they, they do a great job. It's hard to put your, your picks out there like what they do, but they do a heck of a job. I'll tell you. Preaching to the choir, buddy. Preaching to the yeah. choir. Yeah. Absolutely agree. And they have to, you know, they have to put their picks in days beforehand so they don't get the luxury of seeing scratches or seeing what the pools do or anything. So it is, it's a, it's a tough job that they do. I agree. You know, what I like about them, they do their homework. You know, they always mention, Hey, I watch this replay. There's nothing better for me. I mean, you can look at a form till you're cross-eyed, but unless you actually go back and look, look at that race and look at that trip, it only takes a very short, you know, you can, you know, you know what I'm saying? I know you guys probably do that as part of your handicapping, but that is so valuable. And it's just right there at your fingertips, man. It's watching those replays. Amen. I could not agree more. Absolutely. So when, when you do build those kind of tickets, um, what do you usually look for in those multi-race sequences? Do you try and hone in on, on one horse, like you said, um, that one that you got from Joe and then build from there and try and find prices otherwise? I, I, I had hit, I'm not just saying this to brag. I had hit a nice pick four at Oakland in March. I retired in, in mid March and about eight days after that, I was playing Oakland. Long story short, I played a, I think it was a seven or nine dollar total ticket on a pick four and I hit it for like 9,600 <laughs> and, wow. uh, you're not going to believe it. I beat a two to five in the feature and I only went too deep and my, my long shot won that. And then what really set it off is I had, uh, I had two horses I was alive to in this pick four. One was going to pay 14,000 and the other one was paying 9,600. And I, you know, you look at those horses, you get your book and you go, you know, you start looking at them like they're secretary or something, you know. <laughs> Man, you can play a lot of $9 tickets on a $9,600 score. <laughs> the way to do it right there. So long story short, the, the two horse, he's coming into the stretch and guys, this is an Arkansas bred race and no knock on Arkansas bred races. And he leads all the way, but there's one horse making a run. So I'm like, I just got the iPad on the bed in the bedroom and I was like, I'm not even, I can't even go over there and watch. You know, that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good hit, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So I listen and the guy calls this other horse coming right by at the wire. And I go, man, that's a heck of a way to lose 9,600. So I go back in the other room and about that time, the guy that does the race call and he says, 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. Inquiry like been posted. <laughs> oh my. So I looked at the head on one time and I go, man, this, this horse came into me. He's coming down. And sure enough, he, he came down and, and I got that one. But, uh, wow. That, uh, that's just, I, you know, and, and that, I guess to answer your question, I mean, in putting together a ticket like that, and I don't bet the pick six is that much. But after I hit that one at Ellis, I got real pumped up about it, and I got with my brother, and we put together a ticket the very next night, and you all won't believe this, and it wasn't but $11, and we felt pretty good about it. So, uh, lo and behold, we, we get, you know, we, we chose, we had five of six, and we get this, y'all ready? We left out a horse that was by not this time. <laughs> <laughs> and it paid twenty three hundred the very next day after I'd hit that one. Lesson learned, right, Gary? Lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. Never. I we were just like, wow, you know. But I don't. I don't bet the pick six much. I, I like the bet. This bet at Del Mar. Give them a little plug. It's a twenty cent wager, and and you can you know you can get some coverage there and get lucky and you know run for a, a pretty good amount, but. But they're fun to play, and you know you gotta you gotta look at each race and go. Well, I don't think I have to go that deep in that race, or you you know you gotta take a stand. You know when is a key horse a key horse, or is everybody keying that horse? Or are you playing it play against it? You know you gotta you gotta learn which side of the fence you're on. You know, and that's well, really my my bet is really a pick four and pick threes. To be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's a great approach. I think you uh hit the nail on the head there and and the way that you can extract value from those pools is by zigging when everybody else is zagging. That's right. That that's where that's where I've been successful. And I'm again, I'm not a big better, but uh you know, those are the those kind of, those two stories I just told you, those are the kind you always remember, you know. Gary, I've just got a couple more questions for you. Uh, now I know you've got a connection with the Alball family or, or, uh, uh, their racing stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I, I think I knew this, but they, they named a horse after you, right? They or did. They, they did. Um, uh, Jason and Dennis and those guys, I've met them at Churchill for races when they've come in for the Iroquois. Couldn't be any nicer people and they just treated me like they knew me forever. And, and we, we didn't really, uh, they, they, they had started sending horses. If you go back to Brody's cause when he came in at, at Ellis, whatever year that was, and they ran him on the turf and he, he ran terrible, didn't, didn't hit the board. And then they go to Churchill with him and run him on the dirt and he wins at 46 to one and then goes over and wins the breeders futurity at Keeneland, you know, the very next race. So, uh, we've been, we, we just, we just love, we like them. We, they're good people. It's the people you, you want to see st- good things happen to people like that. Amen. But we would just like maybe throw them a name. And he goes, man, I, I'm thinking about, uh, I, I've got to get this horse a name. He's getting ready to race and we got to. So last year or the fall or the fall before, um, they had this real nice, uh, two year old that was working by into mischief. And, uh, we were talking, we have a group text set up where we just talk 
all three of us, my brother and Jason. And brother, this horse was out of uh, into mischief. Um, and Steve says uh, he sent the name Cyclone Mischief because they're they're big supporters of Iowa State Cyclones. Well, we never we never get the answer like okay that sounds good or that's what I'm going to do. But we just start looking at Equibase and a couple of weeks later and we're just like, man, there's Cyclone Mischief, you know, and that's just, that's just fun stuff. But kind of that, that, that max time deal was, that was just kind of like Jason, like he texts us one night and he goes, Hey man, uh, we got our, we got our, uh, not this time cult name. Have y'all checked out Equibase? And we got on there about the same time and we saw his name was max time and. It was just, it's pretty cool. He's at, he's at Del Mar now. I don't know if you all followed along with him, but, uh, he's not in Del Roman's barn anymore. He got claimed in that win at Churchill and he's with Robertino Diodoro and, uh, he's at Del Mar enjoying the Del Mar life. And I look for him to show up in the entries, you know, out there. So, uh, but, uh, we, we still cheer for him, you know, but, uh, yeah, the outlaws are are just super people, and I mean, how often do you see an owner have three horses in the Kentucky Derby? That that don't happen very often. That's right. That's right. They did. Yeah, uh, Angel of Empire on uh, Saturday at Saratoga too. Yeah, that's a tough. That Jason was on today ta- uh, talking with my brother, and that that is a tough race. But Angel of Empire is no slouch of his own. That's for sure. Right. And I think he's going to go with blinkers again, and. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to mo- put him more forwardly placed. You probably have to do that in a short field, but, uh, he, uh, man, he's, they had, they, they've had a good time with him so far. And he's, he's the least one of you guys can, this and anything I'm telling you, you don't know. He, he was probably the least paid horse. And then he went to Indiana, Horseshoe, Indiana, broke his maiden, which, uh, you know, I've heard them say it's, it's no, it's not that important where you break your maiden, you know, it's kind of where you end up. So, you know, right. Gary, we'll leave on this. I, I got one more question for you. If, if you could make one change or alteration to the Ellis Park facility, I think about this all the time. This, this is what I do all day. If you could make one change to the facility or the plant, what would you do if you had uh, unlimited funds or limited funds for that matter? Well, I know there's going to be some changes. They're going to have people come in that going to see what structurally, you know, stuff they can keep and what they can't. I'm not letting a cat out of the bag. This is just stuff that I've heard. And I would like to see a a new parking lot. Uh, that parking lot's in need of repair and paving. And that that I hope that's done pretty soon. Um, they did a lot, guys. They they did. When Churchill bought it in September last year, they they had to they had to take care of some really major issues that that we as racing fans we can't see, you know, plumbing issues and and not not necessarily sinks or stuff like that, but you know that those had to be addressed right away. And uh, um, you know the um, I that I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's things they can do in what I call the tunnel. And I think they will do some stuff, but, um, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a video board. Um, we got, we got poles in the ground from the previous owner where the, the light, the, if they were going to have night racing, but 
I, I really don't think that happens anytime soon. Um, for the fact of, you know, you're going to have to run more than 29 days or 30 days. And I think in the current climate that we're in, I just don't think you have the horse population to go around that you could run. I mean, we had meets over there back in the day that was 59 days. That that stuff's over with, you know. Yes. And uh, it's just it's just the it's just the climate we're in. So whether it's feasible to put up lights, even for you know a company as big as Churchill Downs, that's I'm sure they're still taking a look at all of that. But um, Paddock, have you been there this year, Cece? Yes, uh, me and Alan were down there last uh, Saturday, in fact. Last Saturday, yes. I, was, I wasn't there Saturday. I think that tent, I think that tent area down there by the paddock, I, I think that's, there's going to be something different done in that area. I don't know, you know, to what extent, you know, but, uh, um, we'll just have to see. We'll see what, we'll, we'll see some things happening. And, uh, you know, he tells the fans that, you know, here's what we're going to, here's what we're, you know, things are going to happen after the meeting. These people are like, oh, we, you know, we've heard that before, but they just need to give Churchill the, the benefit of the doubt and, and, and let, let time, you know, where that they can get in there and do some things that they need to do. And, and I think, I think next year at the, at the race meet, you're going to see quite a few different things. Awesome. Outstanding. Well, I can't wait. So, uh, yeah, Ellis Park means a lot to us. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to the, to the future because I think, uh, yeah, the, the people down there really support the product and, and yeah, hopefully Ellis Park be a mainstay for years to come. So, uh, I hope you guys, I want to formally invite all three of you guys to come down there and, you know, and look me up. I'll, uh, come on a Sunday because I'll, I'll buy you the cheap, you know, the, the, the cheap food. Dollar hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, dollar hey, we hot dogs, dollar chips, <laughs> you know, me, big spender. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. I need to get back. I want to get back. I, I enjoyed it last week, and I'll always enjoy it. I really do. Well, let let me know when you guys are coming, and I'll make a plan to be there for sure. So You got All it. All right. Definitely. Okay. Appreciate it. okay, Gary, uh, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you. Uh, uh, everything you do, you're, you're a good friend, you're a good person. And, uh, like I said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hunt you down next time we're down in, in Henderson and, and looking forward to it. Hey, that sounds like a plan. Let's do it. You okay. It, Gary. That's Gary McIntyre from Owensboro, Kentucky. Big Ellis Park fan. Okay. That was Gary McIntyre. Mr. Ellis Park. I'm really, that bums me out. I really wanted that title, but you know, I think he probably deserves a little bit more than I do. I think he gets down there way more than I do. Yeah, he is. He, he could be also be uh, termed Mister Nice Guy too, right? I mean, that man is genuinely nice, and he genuinely, we talk about this a lot. And tell me if I'm right, Jeff, that he genuinely loves Ellis Park. I mean, it's. I mean, he's he's prote- he's protective of it, right? And it, it means a lot to him. It's meant a lot to him to his life. Could you you could really sense that, couldn't you, Jeff? Absolutely, you could feel it. I think he deserves both of those titles, to tell you the truth. I, I had a great time just hearing all of the the lore and the history, and he's just an encyclopedia of information about Ellis. We can let CC be like the the vice president of Ellis Park, like the Kamala Harris. Yeah, of, he could be of, like something. What do you no, think? I about would, I, yeah, if I'm vice president, though, I want to be. I'm going to put a giant bar 
right there between the grandstand and the paddock. There's going to be a long bar, and there's going to be like 50 big-ass fans. <laughs> and then there's going to be a second floor, and then you can actually see the racetrack from the second floor. You can go up there, and there'll be a bar up there, too. And you can oversee the paddock and the racetrack. Say, they should let me do this. They should let me design this. Okay. I don't know who I need to talk to. We're going to get this done. But anyway... That's for another time, I guess. But anyway, I want to. Well, before we go, I want to talk about this horse, Hear My Song. And I, I did not realize this, but the the owner of Hear My Song, Nathan Hayden, is uh, I believe a Henderson, Kentucky native. He's that was his home track. And same with uh, the trainer Billy Stinson. The horse won the Jeff Hall Stakes. Now, Hear My Song, prior to that, I think had run fourth on Derby Day in the uh, uh, I don't even know what it's called now, the Churchill Downs handicap behind. Uh, Cody's Wish, and then mm-hmm. prior to that, he won the Commonwealth at Keeneland. So his horse is a great stakes winner. Uh, it was an exciting race. Uh, he held off Old Bezos from the from the Foley Barn. But here, my song is a great horse. Uh, Nathan Hayden owns the horse. We're gonna try to get him next okay. next next week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on this because it, it's a great story. I think he bred the horse. I think he may have bred the horse uh, in. Western Kentucky, too, which is cool. That'd be making a 270 bread. Uh, but you should have seen the pat, uh, the, the winter circle after the race. Everybody, I mean, it was full. There must have been probably 75 people taking there it. There are a lot of, oh, hear, uh, hear my song t-shirts that we hear, saw walking yeah, around. A lot of green and orange t-shirts, uh, walking around Ellis Park. Uh, didn't really realize that till after the race, but, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's a cool horse. And, you know, he's, he's, he's not well bred by any stretch, but he's, uh, He's a he's a hard trier and he runs his race every single time, which is you know what what more could you ask from a horse? Did you get to see the race, Jeff? I did. Yeah, he's he's a fun horse to watch. He's so consistent. You know, he's got that tactical speed and he he puts in a hundred percent effort every single time. It's an easy horse to root for. Um, I just love the race in general because I really like hearing my song as a horse, and I also really like Obesos, and it was good to see him come back with a with a really nice performance as well. I think both of them are very promising moving forward, and I can't wait to see where they go from here. Yeah, Obezos, uh, Obezos' credit was like, I think the narrative was, and it was a deserved narrative that maybe it, it might be he's coming back off the left, might be a, a tad short. He made a hell of a run at Hear My Song, who probably tripped out in the race, in all fairness. Uh, now, Hear My Song did hold him semi-safe, pseudo-safe. But I thought both horses ran extremely well. I don't know what the, the numbers came back, but as you said, Jeff, those both those horses are are players in the sprint game, particularly in this part of the country, uh, but even perhaps even beyond. So, and here my song runs well in the uh, the turfway uh, uh, synthetic as well too. So the horses but it takes his race anywhere. Definitely. Last last thing I want to cover, and I, I meant to ask Gary when we were recording, and I forgot, and we 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 covered it after after we were recording, but I told you, Alan. Yes, you did. Back a few years ago, uh, Toby Keith was at Ellis Park. One of his horses was running. And he tried to get into the turf club with jeans on. And whoever was running the turf club at the time <laughs> denied Toby Keith entrance to the turf club at Ellis Park. Ellis Park has a turf club, by the way. Ellis Park has a turf club. Toby Keith could not get in there. What kind of elite company is in that turf club? That's what I want to know. I don't know, it's, and it's like so. Jeans are the are the are the draw are the line of demarcation at Ellis Park. I mean, 
generally jeans put you in the upper crust, right? I mean, I go there, I'm wearing, you know, cargo shorts and such. So how do you not let, how do you not let Toby Keith in there? But <laughs> he, and I, I did not know this, that he had come back later and they made, they made things right. And in fact, yeah. he said Jeff Hall, uh, who, who the winter circle is named after Jeff Hall actually was serving beer. He was the waiter for, for Mr. Keith. So that was a cool story. Who's the most famous, before we sign up, who's the most famous person you've seen at the racetrack, Jeff? Oh, wow. That's I saw a tough. ludicrous, I saw a ludicrous one day. We'll just walk, he's like 5'3". I thought he's a jockey. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I've really run into anybody outside of, you know, horse racing celebrities at the track in my time. Uh, Scott Shapiro, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty he's high. Probably a high yeah, Jaggers. Brandon yeah. Jaggers, yeah. I'm sure there's some other names and stuff I'm probably forgetting, but uh, I tell you, I, I'll give you my short list. I saw them all at the Derby: uh, Gene Simmons, uh, Tom Brady, and uh, I was probably three feet from O.J. Simpson. Oh, that's well, that's that's dangerous because you're still an arm's length at yeah. three feet. Uh, right? uh, I mean, trust me, I was. I, I think that was Oaks Day, but I was walking through the paddock, or not the paddock, but you know the the paddock area, and there was a big commotion like three feet from me and then people were hugging him and, and, and cheering him on and everything. I mean, he was that clock. I could have reached out and touched him. That was weird. Just, yeah, as long as he didn't reach out and touch you and his little man that he likes to touch people. Uh, so that's a good thing, right? Um, I can, I think I could outrun him. I really do. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm fast. Okay. <laughs> um, my friend, Michelle, uh, not Michelle Lovell, Michelle Ingram used to drive for yellow cab back in the day. And she, I remember she took Sylvester Stallone to the Derby, Leah Thompson, Lonnie Anderson. She's telling me all these stories or whatever. And uh I think she said they're all very nice and stuff too, but anyway. Oh, I have a friend that worked at a hotel on Derby during Derby Week and he, he he got a call from one of the rooms to bring him bring to bring the room a set of towels and it was uh she he knocked on the door and and the lady opened it. And the lady was up wearing a towel, a bath towel, and it was Felicia Rashad. From the Cosby Show? From the Cosby Show, yeah. Was she coming on to him, or she just had to be taking a shower? I Well, no, it definitely was not coming on to him, because we would have heard that story, for sure. Okay. Because <laughs> this <laughs> he, he was, he liked to brag. Did she call the cops on him after that? What, I'm sorry? Did she call the cops on him after that? Well, I don't know. I don't know. We, we never did hear it. Never did hear the resolution, but, I, you know. And so when you're saying if your buddy had banged Claire Huxtable, that he would have told you, right? Yes. Okay, cool. And with that, we'll leave it at that, right? On that note, on that note, we should probably sign off because we got a lot of work to do. So, right? Yes. Okay. On behalf, Gary McIntyre, King of Ellis Park, and... Brandon Jaggers, who's somewhere floating in the atmosphere with an anal probe. And Jeff Riggs, the bearded handicapper. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us. Very much so. Thank you very and, much. Anytime. And Alan Schneider, of course, who's always here. And a cast of thousands all over the world, including in Russia, apparently, because we're popular over there. MCC Broadus reminding you that we're not happy until you're not happy. Good night.